Welcome to Journey Coach. This is a space meant to equip, empower, and encourage you as we hear the stories and faith of mostly women's basketball coaches up to this point in their journeys. My hope is that you'll leave these conversations feeling energized to go out and make the most of every opportunity that you have in front of you as a coach. I'm your host, Bonnie Durrett. Let's jump in. This is Journey Coach. So I get to my freshman year of college and I find out I'm not going to be able to get any of my three new pairs of basketball shoes until I run a seven minute mile. Okay, seven minute mile. And at the time in my 17 year old mind, nothing sounded more absurd than this exact thought. But I loved shoes then, I love shoes now. And I stand before you today proud to say that I ran within a couple of tries. I ran a 645 mile. And was I dry heaving at the end? Absolutely. But there was nothing about that mile that actually made me want to run it. There's no form of distance running that I just feel great joy from, but I get great joy from shoes. And so those shoes made me want to complete it. And I did. And this is representative, I think, of a much deeper truth about who we are. That was probably the most shallow example I could have possibly given. But here's the truth. We were created to do hard things. And on top of that, we were created to be resilient and even to be able to experience joy in the midst of our hardships. And we don't have to be super happy that we're going through something difficult. But what we can look forward to is that we have a joy about what's to come. And this is something that Jesus said when he went to the cross. This was the, the greatest hardship that we could ever imagine, one that we will never be able to fully understand or comprehend. But Hebrews says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And Coach Helen Higgs, she's going to share about this topic today, joy in difficult circumstances. She has a lot of experience and wisdom to offer. And so I hope you guys are able to take some things away from this as well. So let's jump into that conversation. This is episode three of Journey Coach. So our guest today on Journey Coach is Helen Higgs, and she's the winningest and longest serving women's basketball coach in school history at Whitworth University. She coached there for 24 years, and she is still a professor there on staff, and she became the first Northwest Conference women's basketball coach to reach 300 wins, and she got her undergrad at University of Oregon, where she also played for the women's basketball team, continued her overseas professional playing career in Europe, and then early on was an assistant coach at Gonzaga University and the University of Utah, so overall coached for 31 years. So. Helen, those are some things that people might find out about you online, but could you start out and just share some of your own journey so far, um, just in coaching and life in general, whatever you want to share? Sure. Well, I think something that's always interesting to people is I grew up in Alaska, um, and so I started playing there. I was cross-country skiing or playing basketball, and I was too slow, so I got too cold cross-country skiing, so I went (laughs) indoors. I didn't start playing until my ninth grade year. I was six foot six one and probably 110 pounds and someone was like, why aren't you playing basketball? My family all cross country speed, but I didn't like it. So that's how I started basketball. It was kind of just a chance. And obviously I'm six four. It seems like that would have been a little bit more of an obvious go-to, but for whatever reason it wasn't. Maybe that's the Alaska part of my growing up, but um, took to it right away. Loved it. I played it in PE, obviously had been exposed to it, but hadn't really um, gotten into it. I'd done a lot of individual sports, but definitely my personality is much more team oriented. So I think that's always kind of been part of my coaching too, is looking at the team. 
Um, didn't think I'd be a coach, majored in elementary education, thought I'd be an elementary school teacher, um, but went overseas and, the, and at that time in the 80s, when you went overseas, they paid you to coach, so you coached the youth team. So I coached the youth team and an adult team. And um, that's where I started coaching and realized it was just teaching in a different field and really felt like it was a place that I fit in. And then when I came back, I was able to get, I hadn't graduated when I left because I, I was a teaching major. I hadn't been able to do the practicums and the student teaching because of our travel schedule. So when I came back, I had the opportunity to work at Gonzaga and get my school paid for um, there. So I, I, that's how I started coaching. And then down the line, I just think really God's always guided me every time there's been like, here's a coaching job. Here's another job. I just one, I think internally, I would just always answer the coaching jobs calls first or um and then before the any teaching jobs or anything like that my master's was in special education um and so i just think my heart was more there initially um and i think god just opened more doors there for me as well okay yeah and so i'd also love to hear this is something that is a theme for this first set of conversations um what has been a defining moment of your life that's a great question i think um Probably the biggest one was, um, there's tons of them, but I think for, for me, a really turning point, defining point was um, playing at University of Oregon. I'd go to the men's games and they were playing athletes in action. And mm -hmm. I was raised in the Catholic church, had gone to church, um, but didn't really understand the personal relationship with Christ part of it. And was still always kind of questioning it because I was a female who was super competitive, was gonna run through walls. It wasn't like what I'd kind of seen in church. And so I was yeah. like, well, I kind of believe in God, but I don't really know where I fit in this whole thing. And when I was at the Athletes of Action in the men's game, I was hanging out because I was going to talk to one of my friends on the men's team afterwards. And so I stayed for the, the post-game talk, which I might not have, had, have done if I wasn't waiting for someone. And the guy that spoke was the one that played like me on every loose ball, taking charges, this plate. And when he talked about his relationship with Christ, I could see how I would fit in. So I think just that moment of hearing that person who's who I related to mm -hmm. um, talk and how they related to God and how it was different. Um, but it didn't, and, it, and that gender wasn't gonna make any difference. It was just like, hey, he loves you for who you are. He made you a certain way um, and you can live into that. And so um, I think that was probably my biggest defining moment because I made it a personal relationship instead of just like what I had done and then going to church and a belief, it was more of a personal choice and a personal relationship mm -hmm. at that point. So for me, that's probably my most defining moment. Oh, and that's really cool. I had no idea that you started a relationship with Christ through it, like an athlete's in action of it. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Okay. How old were you then? It was my junior year in college. Junior so year. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. And to think that you I mean, it's not surprising since God's the one that draws all of us in the way that we need to be drawn, but to think that you might not have stayed if you weren't going to be talking to your friend and, and all that, that's really cool to hear just God's intentional pursuit of you. All right, so in today's topic, joy in difficult circumstances, first of all, I just appreciate you being willing to discuss this one. It, it might be easy to talk about, um, you know, winning or anything that just feels really good. And so um, to be willing to talk about this one, I think it's just a little bit more of a, a vulnerable topic, but also like such a service to anyone, because this is one of the most realistic things we could talk about uh, being just going through difficult times, because we all do. And so starting out, I think 
uh, it would be cool to hear from you. What in the first place does joy mean to you? Okay. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's a good thing for people to think about because I don't think it's necessarily going to be the same for yeah. everybody. Um, and I have a friend that always, when she calls me, talks to me, she'll be like, are you happy? And that always kind of bugs me because I'm like, that seems kind of situational to be happy. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, it's like, are you, do you have joy and, where, and where's your joy? And so for, for me, it's really, um, the words I wrote were just kind of having a contentment, having a peace, and then being optimistic about what's to come. Mm -hmm. um, and so regardless of the situation, I feel like you know, I think about Paul in, in prison, he was content because he knew that it was having a message to people. Um, you know, I've been, when I've been in tough situations, I don't feel peace, like, in the turmoil of it, but I a lot of times feel peace about that. Like, mm -hmm. hey, I know that this turmoil is stirring some things. I thought of growth pains, you know, and like when I, I don't know if you had it, but because I'm tall and I grew quick, I had a lot of growing pains, but something came out of those. And so I, sometimes when I just feel turmoil and pain, emotional pain, mental pain, pain that I, I, I just stop and say, this might be a growing pain. You need to stop and analyze it. Um, so for me, it's just really having contentment and peace and optimism. Those three things is what for me joy. And, and sometimes you have to choose it. You have to slow down. Um, yeah. You know, we, we had, you know, we were hybrid and I was really, I live by myself. So I was so excited to be back with students and see people face to face, whether we had masks on and we all had to stay distance and some of them were online. And so we had, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then we had smoke blow through and it was it was hazardous. You couldn't even be outside. So we had to cancel school and go online. And um, my, I was just like, at first I, I was like, are you kidding me? I've, you know, yeah. I was so, and then I, and so I have, and I tell people it's okay to have a couple minutes to say like, this sucks. This isn't great. I'm mad about this. I'm upset, whatever. And then go, okay, so what's next? You know, and that one was a small one where I didn't have to really go like, okay, God, what's next? I mean, it was really just like, choose your attitude right now. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So I mean, that was really just an attitudinal shift I had to make. Um, but sometimes that attitude is the shift to really be focused off yourself and focus on to God and what he's calling you to. Um, and then one of the things that stuck out when I was kind of thinking about this, when I said I would talk about this topic is, you know, people always say that the, um, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a tough one to really dive into and say, really, what does that mean? Um, yeah. And so I kind of thought of, cause I, I, that's something I do go back to, um, you know, and I, when I started thinking, when I started looking at it, it's really, he, his joy is in us. He loves us and, and his relationship with us. So I flip it that my joy is probably going to be coming through my relationship with him. Mm -hmm. So building that relationship um, with him was something that I really thought about. And then the other verse that really stuck out is the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so again, that's kind of that relationship piece of the spirit. If, if you have the spirit, you're going to, these are the fruits that are going to come out of you, right? Love, joy, yeah. peace, patience. It's hard to not be joyful. If you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I always forget gentleness because I think that's the one I don't have. <laughs> well, that's why I was looking down. I was like, don't forget gentleness. But. Uh. Nice. for not knowing all the fruit of the spirit so uh, yeah. i think our, our our listeners would have probably forgiven you i i can feel that way about patience sometimes and i was reminded of that when i when i did get quarantined pretty recently i moved here and two weeks in i got exposed and i never had any symptoms or anything but i did have to go home and be there for two weeks and I was like, okay, I, I, this is a great opportunity to practice patience once again. But I love what you said in uh, 
focusing on building your relationship with God and even just like fighting to choose joy because uh, I think it's one of the last things that necessarily comes naturally and sometimes I think it's an entire fight it's not just something that will fall into our lap and so in terms of considering it like a fight uh, what does it look like for you to experience and fight for joy as a coach yeah I mean I think the um the verse that I'm not going to do the whole verse but the verse that stuck out to me was was Hebrews 12 2 and um the joy laid before him yes the cross yes and so and, but you think about it it's not like he just went into that and again this goes back to being able to say that hey I'm not really down with this but to be um, you know, Jesus was like, God, take this cup, if you will, but I will do your will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then later there, it's like, it's that he looked at the joy that was coming, the, 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 our reconciliation with God. And so that's a verse that I've really always held on to. Um, more for my, you know, like, I think when I was taught it, it was about you about your value is this, but then it's something that I can look to, towards too, that like, hey, he was able to find, obviously he's God, it's a little bit easier for him. Um, <laughs> yes. But, um, <laughs> But, you know, like, but he still had to stop and pause and pray about that to find it. It wasn't like he just walked into that on his own. So I think that's one of the things I do is I, as I stop and I go and I pause, I push pause when I really feel a lack of joy. Um, and I kind of go, hey, what's, what's the joy that's coming? What's the lesson I need to learn? Sometimes it's that. Yeah. Sometimes it's that I'm in the wrong place. Um, sometimes it's I'm doing the wrong thing. And not necessarily I'm doing the wrong thing is like, super sand, but I'm just not mm-hmm. like, what I'm supposed to be doing anymore. And the example I'll give for that was my, um, I went on athletes in action tour and I had forgotten. I even had mentioned that I was thinking about retiring, that I was starting to feel that, that nudge. And that part of the reason I took, said yes to the tour so quickly, I prayed about it, but it was pretty quick was I wanted to, cause I knew that would be something I would have, I would have joy in doing is the winning's not that important. It's all about the relationships. You know, we're, people are going to be competitive. We want to win. We did lose a game and we were all upset. We're not losing another one. You know I mean? So there was still a competitiveness, but it's not yeah. the pressure. It's not the outside world looking in at you in the same way. And so it just be more just kind of the joy of like what I love about basketball, playing some games, doing some clinics, building relationships. And so my, I really did come back regenerated and like, yeah, I meant to coach. I'm supposed to be a coach. And then mid year, and then I come back and I had, um, i trying to remember the order of things. I had a detached retina and so I was um, severely detached. So I was out for 10 days because I had to get surgery and then I had to stay flat. And then I had um, arrhythmia um, and so AFib. And so I had, then I had to get my heart shocked in. And so there was, so that one, I didn't really miss anything, but it was still, it was freaky. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's a really big little bit. What's the stress? What's stress doing to you? You're really feeling stressed. I didn't have a lot of joy. Um, Some of it was in my hands of choices, you know, like, interactions but I just didn't really have the energy to build the relationships which is what always gave me joy so um in the midst of it I was kind of like okay god I you know maybe I am supposed to be getting done but it's you know it's I had been doing it for 24 years really 31 and I had coached in Europe too so if technically 34 years if you throw that in there although that was just kind of to get paid while I was playing <laughs> but um I wasn't very good those people I'm not sure would say they were coached but um <laughs> But it was just, it was one of those things where I just had to, I really had to sit in it and I had to sit in the pain of it, the pain of like, Hey, is this the right decision? Um, And, uh, and I think I told you on one of our phone calls um, in this past year that, 
you know, I told my AD and I told my assistant coaches that I was considering it after the season and that I would decide by the final four. Cause again, for me, another time that I get rejuvenated was always the final four and you sit there and you talk to all these coaches and they're talking about how great this job is we have and how much we love this. And there's FCA and I get connected with the athletes in action. And this coach is that I don't, we don't have time to stay as connected as we want to during the year. And so I always feel revitalized. So I was like, okay, you know, that's going to kind of be a telltale for me. Yeah. And so you know, I said, I'll decide after the final four. And um, so I go in there and I'm like, uh, you know, and I, and, and honestly, when I got, was going, I was like, I should just retire. I just need to be done. But I was just like, but it was scary because I was like, I don't have a plan. Like, I don't know what I'm doing next. I'm a, I'm a planner. If you've ever done an Instagram, I'm an investigator. I'm a five. Oh yeah, you are. Okay. So, you know, I, I kind of like, okay, what's next? I'm going to figure out the things and I'm gonna have all these different things. I can have these options. And it's just like, so I said, uh, you know, God, you just have to, I said, I trust you, but I just, for my own, just like mental fortitude, I just need to have a sign, just like that, like confirmation of some sort. I talked to somebody and they just said, you know, like they're retiring or just some, I didn't even, I was just like some kind of confirmation. And I went to this diversity, equity, and inclusion workshop, and I was on our diversity, equity, and inclusion cabinet. So I, I did it for that. And we had to do all these different things. And so we were doing this game and again um and it wasn't a game but it was like so you'd ask you'd ask questions you didn't know the person you're with you had to look around and find something that looked as different from you as you could um and so i'm with a 24 i'm 50 i was 54 55 at the time so i'm with a 24 year old african-american graduate assistant coach and i'm the old you know caucasian uh head coach and she's a d1 i'm at a d3 so that's all we know about each other so we go through some questions the first one was like do you think this person eats healthy and if I think that person I just met eats healthy, I'm supposed to turn around and give a thumbs up. And if I don't, I'm supposed to give a thumbs down. So it was, all, it was talking about risk-taking and about how we have biases that we just assume things. And then sometimes we're not honest. Like maybe if I was with somebody who I didn't think, am I really going to say no, I don't think you eat healthy? Mm -hmm. like, and so it was all about biases. So we went through a bunch of them. I forgot all the other questions until, because the last one, he goes, okay, just come up with any question that you want. And I'm like, it's the last day of the final four. I'm like, I don't care. I just come up with a question. And she goes, is this person going to coach forever? And I was just like, in my head, like instantaneously, like, oh my goodness. I, like, cause I mm -hmm. have to tell her what my answer is. Right. Cause it's not like she's just going to guess. I have to tell her what my answer is. I'm like, am I going to coach forever? Like, hey, the rubber's to the road right now. You have to say, so I, all I'm thinking about <laughs> is the answer is no. And so when I turn around and I'm supposed to show her hers, I show her mine. I'm like, no. So then this poor she's not going to coach forever. And I'm like, I didn't see her. That's tough. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm trying to decide whether I was going to retire. And that question just blew my mind because I had to give an answer and I'm going to retire. <laughs> so you're going to coach forever, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All my thumbs are up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, um, I mean, that was, a, that was a hard time, but I knew, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I always had joy, but I did always have, I mean, I, I don't know if I outwardly would have had joy, but as soon as I kind of made a decision to consider retirement, I had that peace, that optimism. And when, after that moment, I had optimism that no matter what, God was going to provide a way because yeah. he really confirmed to me that it was his plan. It wasn't me just being like, you're just tired. You've been doing this for a long time. You're not taking good care of yourself. It was really confirmation of, Hey, you're doing what my will is for you. So, mm. um, and then just a few of the things I wrote down that brought me joy when I was coaching and I was in those, um, one is just having the relationships um, and encouraging others, um, encouraging my players. 
doing the little things, a lot of times people thought I wasted time doing little things, but like we would do snack packs for our teams on trips and I would put them into separate Ziplocs so they didn't have to keep getting up on the bus. And mm -hmm. part of the reason I did that was because I would pray for whoever got that snack pack while I was doing it and just think of, and, and think of all the different players and, and pray specifically for them. So those, those moments of actually just kind of a routine that was thoughtless, but gave me time to think about them. Mm -hmm. um, always brought me joy. I always had joy in those. And then just the, you know, sitting on the bus and just hanging out in the airports and just taking those moments to really invest. When I did that well, I had much more joy. And then not letting, I think, not letting people's point of view of your success be. Yeah. I mean, if, if you get into wins and losses and I like your coaching style, I don't like your coaching style. Um, it's really hard to maintain joy. You just kind of have to let those things go and go like, Hey, am I honoring people? Am I treating people well? Am I doing the best I can do? Um, you know, do I care about this person? And, and it's like, cause I always tell, I, it was hard for my players to understand when I say like, I really don't care about your basketball career, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I mean, I care about you and your basketball career is part of it, but, um, you know, it's not, that's not going to be perfect. You could get injured. I could decide not to play you. I could play you too much, you know, whatever it's. Um, yeah. So it's really, what do you need? Who, who are you as a person and trying to develop you? And when I kept that in perspective, and then the other thing I, um, you know, you have to fight for it. You have to, you have to stop and you have to take a break um, and, and look for it and say, what's next. I mean, I think those pauses, um, pushing pause is really important. And that's, seems backwards for fighting for, for fighting but if you mm -hmm. don't have energy you can't fight yeah um and so real and i think i heard i i learned the most and was able to see see what could come next when i stopped just getting on the treadmill and running and yeah. just fighting to get ahead wow and i uh I am so into everything that you're saying, and I'm just like, even if I'm the only one that hears it, this is so good. And something that's really cool that when you first started answering that question is that um, that's the exact verse that I was planning to talk about in the intro, even just for this episode, and one that God's brought to my mind so much um, that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross and uh, the fact that Jesus endured hardship he chose he chose obedience and he chose dying to self in order to fulfill God's will in order to do something hard and um the fact that it was that joy that he was looking toward in his future exactly what you said that's it. that's exactly what I wanted to talk about so what are one or two of the biggest things in that that God has taught you about himself during the harder seasons of your life? Um, yeah, that was kind of a hard one. I'm, I'm not always great on that kind of reflection, so I had to dig a little bit deeper. But um, I think the first one I thought about is that he cares about me deeply. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think kind of going through the verses, too, to kind of think about, like, what is my foundational defining joy made me link into that, too, that, um, you know, I mean, again, just – it was a little bit selfish to go like, Hey, I think I hear you calling me God, but like, I'm not really trusting that, <laughs> but I need this. And he's like, okay, so if you need it, I'm going to give you this answer that you cannot deny. I mean, that, there was an infinite number of questions that girl could have come up with. Right. Yeah. And she came up with one that made me have to decide what I was going to do. Um, and so, you know, that he cared about me enough to be go ahead and say, Hey, um, 
I'm going to answer that. I'm going to honor that, that you need that and give it to you um, and not make me feel, I never felt bad about that. I've never felt like, oh yeah, you know, like I had to throw out this fleece and I should have distrusted them because <laughs> it's all worked out great. Um, you know, and so I think that he, he loves me. And I think always knowing that when I'm in the midst of it too, when I don't know mm-hmm. um, what's next, when I don't know what's coming out of this um, mess, to know that he loves me and he cares for me and he has a plan. Um, and I may not know what it is. Um, just like sometimes my players didn't always know a plan. Um, and so th- you just have to have that trust. Um, and he's much more trustworthy than I am. So uh, just knowing that, and I think that's probably been my, my number one lesson. And then I think um, another one that's, and this is a harder one for me is, um, I'm gonna give you three. Part of that other one is, pr- is prayer and that relationship, going back to that relationship and is that, um, that he, like, because he does care, he's going to answer the prayer. So those kind of tied in together. Um, but that prayer piece is really important. You have to have that relationship um, to know that he cares about you. And then I think for the other one is that for me, I am um, an introvert, very independent. I have a garage door that hangs crooked. It's old barn doors. And so like it one blew off. And so it's like, I stuck it up and it, by myself with no help, nobody holding it straight. So it's crooked. And so whenever I drive home and I've been trying to do too much and I see it, I'm like, yeah, ask for help on that. Like, <laughs> so it's kind of a good reminder. I just use it as a reminder now that like, hey, the door's shut, but it's not really, you know, it barely shuts and you can barely lock it. And it's a shed basically now. But um, I think just at, he puts people in our lives to help us. He wants us yeah. to be in community. And sometimes when it's really hard for me to find joy, um, I'll find it in that relationship with somebody else. They'll be in it, or sometimes they may be having a hard time finding joy and they'll find it in the relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be, I, I don't know for other people, but with COVID and being quarantined, I live by myself. I have a dog now, it would have been two years ago, it would have been worse because I wouldn't have had a dog. And, um, but for Lent, I decided instead of giving something up that I was going to contact people that I have, that, that God just brought in my heart and encourage so somebody every day wow. and just reach out and say, hey, you know, I really appreciate this, or hey, I haven't talked to you for a long time, and you're on my mind, I just want you to know I still really value you, and these are the things I love about you, and so I started doing that mm-hmm. at the Lenten season, so I think we were like, what, two weeks into Lent, a week into Lent, I don't know, we weren't very far, but I built already, it consciously, a decision to reach out to people, mm-hmm. um, and so that really served me well to just be, and I think for them, it was like, I mean, some of them just didn't respond because it was like, she hasn't tugged me in forever. And she was just like, Louie, <laughs> he was probably super awkward. Like, why was Helen like, is she dying? I don't know. And they never got back to me. But, um, you know, but for me, um, that really helped me have the relationship. So that wasn't as hard as I kind of, when I first heard it, I was like, this is going to be terrible. I live by myself. And it's like, I'm just, I did, I mean, don't get me wrong. I Netflix binged and I, like I did what everybody else did, but I felt much more connected. And then having the dog just made, I just, got to know my neighbors I just said like hey this is your chance to not be secluded and during this time to reach out and just having that and having neighbors now that I know that if if things are hard they can help me around the neighborhood with with my garage door for example yeah so I think those are the two just like to invite people in it's hard to want to invite people into your pain or your difficulty but people want to support you and then that God cares about you a lot those two things I think um maybe a couple people didn't respond and I, I can't act like I have any idea why they didn't, but I'll put all my money on it. That, that meant a lot to people that received it. And I can even speak into that from, I got a 
texted picture of a note card um, from my JUCO coach uh, like three days ago about why she was proud of me. And that made my, my whole day. And uh, I appreciated that so much from her. And even just hearing things from people that I respect or have had a place of influence in my life, uh, I don't forget things that they say, uh, especially when they're speaking life into me. And so I think it's really cool that you did that. What advice would you give to coaches who find themselves in difficult circumstances and they want to fight for joy? I mean, I think the first one it, for me is always, uh, you know, if you have a faith-based turn to turn to God, I, yeah. I think that's always, and, but when I talk to my friends about different um, topics, I'm always like, okay, so I teach at a Christian university, but not all, of our, not all of our students are Christian. So how would you frame this so that those Christ like things are there? So we were talking about wisdom, for example, and they're like, well, wisdom comes from the Lord. I'm like, okay, but if they don't believe in the Lord, then what would you say wisdom is? Like, don't, don't, you, let's not define it in simply those terms. And so, yeah. um, so for me, that's always my first. And I would always tell people, hey, try praying. Even if they don't, it's like, this is an opportunity to, to just see if there's anything to it. Um, and then, um, so for me, that's number one, is just building that relationship and doing that um, foundationally, having my, our church calls it PB and J prayer Bible and journaling. I'm terrible. Like at the, it. Yeah, I'm terrible at the journaling part, but um, for some reason I like to write, but journaling just kind of stresses me out. So yeah. Um, but uh, I'm almost afraid someone's gonna read my deepest thought. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. I think I have, feel like I have to write perfectly instead of just writing what I'm thinking. So um, I relate to you on that. Yeah. So so spending time um, in the Word, and then one of the things that I have found for me that really works and that I advise is finding things that feel like play or that you know brought you joy when you were younger. Mm. Um, because you don't see, like if you just put kids in their own environment, you don't see a lot, very much lack of joy unless someone just punched somebody else. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, the human nature comes out, the same nature. But, you know, I mean, kids are typically generally joyful. Um, and so uh, finding those things that bring you joy so I went back, I got my PhD because I like to learn and so I was going to take some classes and then found out how expensive they were and thought well I should get the PhD because I get a, if I'm paying this much because I get a pay raise so um practicality but I I'd well get, when I got to the dissertation part it was hard but in the classes where it was just a couple nights a week that actually filled me up and gave me some joy mm. even though it was super stressful time in time management um it wasn't I didn't feel that stress I felt more of a peace and optimism of of just the learning um so and then I think about another time where I was like man I've just become the old fuddy-duddy you know like I just don't so um I'm like I need to go on a road trip and a friend of mine was doing a chaplaincy um she was getting her MDiv and so she was and I, I'd only known her for like I don't know maybe a year year and a half and so she was doing a chaplaincy in Colorado I'm like hey I'll fly down and drive back with you we can just road trip back yeah <laughs> and so you know so that I made the so that I made the like road trip tape well it was, a, it was a cd but you know like the old school road trip music of like <laughs> from our era and um and then i've done that with my college teammates and i know that every time i'm around like my college teammates it takes me back to that feeling that we shared together mm -hmm. um and so i'm always like how not that i want to be the maturity level i was as a 20 something but that joy and just that kind of carefreeness we lose a lot as we get older so think about yeah. what is it about them um that gives me that that feeling and so 
Um, and then the, like even the, this um, spring, I decided I would sew some masks and I, I used to sew all the time when I was growing up. My mom knew I'd be tall and figured I needed to know how to make pants. I don't think I've ever made a pair of <laughs> pants in my entire life. But, um, That's awesome. Yeah, but, uh, but actually just doing that crafty kind of just like, hey, there's a pattern to it and planning it and doing it. That actually brought me some joy and some peace. And um, then I gave them as gifts and I don't know if anybody wears them, but that's fine. And then um, encourage others. I think that's just a practical one that goes back to what I did. I mean, I think just, and asking others, you know, like if you're an older coach, ask, ask some of the new young coaches, hey, so what, how are you setting up your, your team dynamics? How are you doing team building and learning things and being really open to learn and building those relationships of equality with people and encouraging each other equally? I think has been a big one for me because then I really have joy with my peers and all the sports. That was one of the, that's probably the thing I miss the most is the relationships with my players. Um, although I get a few with some of my students that I advise, but it's the relationship with the coaches and how that in an athletic department is just different than in an academic department, those relationships. So, um, and then just surround yourself with encouraging people, people that will speak life into you, I think is a huge one. So those are the practical daily. No, that that's really, really good. And that last one that you just said uh, is something that I think God's been reminding me a lot of, uh, really just from a standpoint of feeling super grateful, um, even though things aren't like perfect every day or anything like that by any means, but I've been really reflecting lately. And I think you do anytime you move away from a new place and you know, the, um, you know, some of the same people that I do that have played big roles in my life and just feeling grateful that I didn't purposely, well, in some, in some sense, yes, I did, but I didn't purposely put, I didn't have any control over the people that God put in my life, but the fact that he put people that were life speakers and encouraging and even spoke belief into me when I didn't have it in myself, um, that has been a huge gift that he's given me that I think I'm going to be grateful for for the rest of my life. You're the only person, I was thinking about, you're the only person that I know who has been to a Dream Big workshop. And that's something, did you say you did it last year? Is that when you did it? I did it. I actually, it came, that was another little God moment too. That came right after. So I did it right after I announced my resignation in my e email inbox was a Dream Big thing that was happening in May. I retired in <laughs> I announced my retirement in April, so it was literally like five weeks away, and I'm like, I don't know if there's space available, but, and I just got my tax return, which was the exact amount of what it cost to go, so I was like, I'm, this is expensive, but I'm pulling the trigger on it, and I didn't have any clue, like, you know, people are talking, you know, are like, well, I'm dreaming big about, like, and I'm like, I'm dreaming big that God's got a plan for me, <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, but I'm dreaming yeah. big, so it's gonna happen. Well, what was the, uh, what was the workshop like? It's really good. I mean, the one I went to was in San Diego. And so Bob did all of the um, talks. So Bob Goff, uh, for those that don't know, is the one who does Dream Big. Um, and he just, you know, he talks about, he give, and, he, and he's so good at giving you some little analogies and some little things that you can take. Like I have a um, chess piece that we got. And so it's like, sometimes you have to make a move, right? Mm -hmm. you, in chess, you have to make a move. You might think about it, but at some point you just have to make the move. So, you know, like there's some planning, but, and so that's always my reminder, hey, because again, I'm the analyzer, like make the move, like pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. um, and so in further, and it was interesting, I got a rook because the other one was find the fast pony. 
And so at that point, I just decided I was going to teach. And that was just the fast pony of like, hey, I can teach. It's going to pay my bills. I get sabbaticals. So I get, I had five, well, the longest I had also like three months, five months off, six months off. Um, and my sabbatical, I didn't have to do anything except for prep for classes that I was going to start teaching. So I didn't have anything big to turn in except for my ability to teach in the spring. So, um, so just, I mean, I think for me having that time to like really rest and reflect, I didn't realize how tired I was until I, mm-hmm. I really had that time off. Um, and so just kind of having that and then being able to say like, Hey, this was the year in kind of my timeline where I was going to look at doing a study or setting up a study abroad for athletes to do in May where we could go and do uh, like leadership through sports in developing countries. That's kind of what I picture or do something with. um, And so it could either be athletes or kinesiology majors or, um, and then maybe set it up so teams could do it. Well, now we can't travel. So it's like, you know, I'm not sure when that will happen, but that's still something that I'm hoping to do is set up that. Now that's kind of what I'd like to get into at some point is to do something similar to that, where you're just, you're putting together some things that then that community that, that, uh, area can then take over that we're training not just the kids or whatever but we're training leaders how to lead and then they can continue to build leadership and maybe the kind of a circle as we wrap up are are there any things that we didn't touch on or cover that you would like to share before we go i think um if you want to find joy be selfless Mm -hmm. Like you don't see super selfish people giving off a lot of joy in my experience. Now you need to take care of yourself. So you need to, I mean, like, I think I hit some roadblocks because I wasn't doing hit and pause. Right. I wasn't taking breaks. Um, but I think, um, you know, just really uh, looking around you and seeing what's around you and thinking that it's all important. It's all as important as what's going on for you. God, to God, it's all, it's all, we're all equally important. Yeah. Um, just really holding that as a truth that's self-evident for you. And so that kind of puts you, and, and, and so I'll give you two examples. One, when I'm running late and I'm like, now I'm really like, come on, slow driver. And it's, <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like the world, the world isn't revolving around your schedule. Right. God, yeah. God's like, you know, and I just remember God going like, the world doesn't revolve around you. Like, it's like, you should let you, you had you had so much control over this part you don't have control over life but you have so much you had so much control coming into this and now you're upset because other people are controlling things um and then the other one is i remember one day just it was thing after thing had gone bad in our team with our team and i was driving home and i had just got off the campus and i'm like man can i just have things be clean and easy and just straightforward and god just goes that's not real life like i just remember hearing that's not real life and just like it was like this this in my head this like and I started laughing I'm like yeah you're right like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> Touché. yeah and so you know and I think kid, I remember being loved getting dirty and getting down and getting dirty and when I was young and so like life is messy and I can be fun Just run around in the rain you know <laughs> man that's a good note to end on there's something really powerful about being uh, the person who talks about the hard thing and gives another person the gift of going second and giving them the ability to be able to say me too, because until you, that first step is taken, you know, they, they may have thought that they were alone. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on today and hopefully 
yeah, people will be able to hear this and take some some things away from it. Thanks. It was great to hang out with you all. All right. Thanks for joining us for that conversation today, guys. Again, I hope you're able to take some things away from it and just be encouraged and be able to fight for joy in whatever season of your life that you find yourself in right now. If you have a second, I would really appreciate if you could go over to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen and give the podcast a rating or review. That would be really helpful. And also next week we will jump back in. We're going to be talking about discipline with coach Tanika Bruce. So hope you guys go out, make the most of every opportunity. Have a great week. This is Journey Coach.